Good morning. Yes, our reading is from Acts chapter 8, reading from verses 1 to 25. And if you'd like to follow it in your church Bibles, you'll find it on page 1101. And the reading follows immediately after the stoning of Stephen. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Now, for some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great, and all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is rightly called the great power of God. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. But when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, Give me also this ability, so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered, May your money perish with you, because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry, because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness, and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. And Simon answered, 
Pray to the Lord for me, so that nothing you have said may happen to me. After they had further proclaimed the word of the Lord and testified about Jesus, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Very good morning. Good to see you. Uh, good morning to everyone, if you're watching online as well. I can't see you, but very welcome. Good to, good to be together in this way. If you're wondering about the uh, ladder, I will explain. Bit of a late prop, but I hope it's helpful for us this morning. Um, so uh, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, um, in your light we see light. So speak to our hearts this morning so that we may walk in your ways. Let me pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I was uh, reading some research recently, and um, I want to read to you this, um, this description of life for members of a, a specific ethnic minority uh, in Europe. So I'm going to read this out. Migrants working in the informal economy paying no income tax or national insurance contributions, relying on emergency state health provision and inadequate private health insurance, who are confused about what they are supposed to do to be legal residents. Uh, 78% were living in the country all year, yet one-third never meet local family, friends or work colleagues. 60% only get by or speak a few words, while only uh, 2 in 10 at best uh, can hold a conversation. Half of the respondents do not have residence cards, and a third are not registered at the town hall. All the children interviewed had experienced racist taunts or abuse from local children, or knew another child who had. All knew of other migrant children who were not even attending school. Some find creative ways of dealing with switching place of residence to best suit their immediate individual needs. Other migrants simply do not know the best way to weave through the myriad rules, uh, do not know who to turn to and cannot afford to pay for advice. Given the existence of a confusing array of frightening rules and regulations on the one hand, and the possibility to simply stay quiet and hidden on the other, Many opt to retain an ambiguous status between states, the status of the excluded. Because they want to avoid doing the wrong thing, they avoid doing anything. And the researcher writes, who might these unfortunate people be? Somalis in Milan, Bangladeshis in Stepney, Chinese in Dortmund, or Poles in Lincolnshire? In fact, it is none of these. They are British people resident in the Costa del Sol, one of Europe's fastest-growing ethnic minorities, people who have left the UK in search for new life in Spain. Oh. Oh, right. Oh, I see. Now, I don't share that to kind of point fingers or anything like that, um, but when I read that, and perhaps you know, how easily we tend to point fingers at other people, actually, perhaps instinctively, how easily we tend to look at people and think that they are kind of further down the ladder, perhaps. Very easy to do. Uh, today, uh, we're looking at the early church in the book of Acts, 
And we're looking at um, the Jewish Christians and the Samaritans. And I'm going to explain a bit about who they are. Um, but we need this today, as ever, because, because Jesus is about transforming his people. And we've seen that in Acts already a lot. Uh, in Acts, we've seen that, well, Jesus had died and crucified and then was raised from the dead. And the news of that is rippling through Jerusalem and starting to go out from there. Um, and it's a good news that transforms. Uh, it transforms in God's community, the church, uh, by God's Spirit and for God's world, the world around. So Jesus has tra- transformed us. It's the good news that transforms And this morning, we're looking at believing the good news means let go of your superiority, let go of love of power, and latch on to being equal partners. That's where we're going. Uh, So first of all, verses 1 to 5, let go of superiority. Uh, Know first that um, Jews and Samaritans, uh, they despised each other. And there were historical reasons for that. Uh, the Samaritans were kind of broken away from the Jewish people in different ways, and they'd intermarried with countries around them, but they, they despised each other. So for the Jews, uh, they were at the top, and Samaritans were right down the bottom, despised them, and the other way around. For the Samaritans, they were at the top, uh, Jews were right down the bottom. They despised each other, looked down on each other, ingrained for centuries. Uh, then notice here that what happens is that kind of the Jewish Christians are being, are being smashed, actually. Um, so and let me pick it up from verse 1. As we heard, Stephen, the first martyr, has just been stoned to death. Verse 1, on that day a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. Uh, verse 3, but Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. So the Jewish church is getting smashed in Jerusalem. And notice then that the Jewish Christians, within God's control, are then actually being scattered. They're being scattered. So verse 1, all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. And you might remember our memory verse, which is chapter 1, verse 8, which said that this kind of uh, rippling out was going to happen. The good news is that Jesus would go from Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. That's happening. But it happens actually through persecution and then being scattered out. But just think about it. So where the Jewish Christians are being scattered to, where? Samaria. To the land of the people they traditionally despised. Now, why was that happening, that scattering? At this point, I'm going to um, move this. And put this horizontal. Why were the Jewish Christians being scattered? Well, because in the thing that mattered most, they're standing before God. Samaritans and Jews were just like each other and just like us. They were on a level playing field, just like each other. They were valuable to God, but had turned away from God, but God wanted to forgive them. And the Jewish Christians were to share that same good news that they themselves had believed. They were just just like each other in the thing that mattered most. You see, that's why, you know, horizontal, not about looking down on each other. And actually, the Jewish Christians, they started to get that. So verse 4 says, "Um, those who had been scattered, what did they do? Did they do anything? Yeah, they, they preached the word wherever they went. They told people about the good news. 
including to the Samaritans. Verse 5, Philip, who was a leader, he went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. So do you see? The Jewish Christians are getting this. They know that they're not superior to the Samaritans, actually. They all need... Bound to happen at some point. Well, they're not in the first service, actually. They all need the same good news. They all need that. The same good news that they turn from God, but Jesus' death has paid the price for that. So let go of superiority. Let go of that. Uh, What about you? What about you? Uh, Do you have a a sense of superiority in some ways? I know I do. I've struggled with this for sure. Uh, And how might God be chipping away at that sense of superiority in you? How might he be doing that? I I do. I recognize this in myself for sure. And it's not something you feel comfortable about. But... um, I do look into you know, my life, and I, I realize that I went to quite a privileged school. And at privileged school, they kind of drum into you that you are superior. It's not good. It's not good. But in God's grace, he has been chipping away at this in, in me, I think, over the, over the years, and I'm very grateful for that. And I have been looking back and reflecting on a particular time. Um, in 2016, five years ago, uh, I was at a theological college, and we had a partnership with a college in Uganda, and twice a year, a dozen or so people would go over to help with preaching conferences. And I did that once. And I've been reflecting on this you know, at the time, but also since as well, this past week, thinking about lots of ways in which I was tempted to feel superior. You know, we were coming to teach, to offer that teaching, and that kind of, oh yeah, I've got something to give. And that puffs you up, doesn't it? And also on a personal level, um, as it happens, I have a kind of... Uh, a family relative from, many, from a long time ago uh, who's actually quite famous in Uganda. Uh, I've got the same surname. And um, when people found this out, I was given a bit of extra honor, actually, uh, because of this. And it, again, it kind of puffed me up. A bit of a, I feel a bit kind of superior. It's just quite, I'm not proud to say that kind of thing at all. But in lots of ways, God really used that time to burst that sense of superiority, really. Um, so, the first thing was, the, you know, I preached a sermon and it felt pretty flat, actually. So that was one thing. Um, but then it was talking to Ugandan brothers and sisters, Ugandan pastors, um, making huge sacrifices for Jesus and for their families. And, yeah, very sacrificial and very godly in that. But especially, I remember one night, we had... One night in the week, uh, we were praying for the good news of Jesus going around the world, and especially we were praying for the country, the people of Belgium. And if you know anything about the history of Belgium in Africa, it's awful. Uh, the Belgians treated the people of Congo you know, terribly. And it was just such a striking thing that here we were uh, praying for the people of Belgium to know the goodness and grace of God, to know God's love. And that really, you know, I've really felt among brothers and sisters there, their superior graciousness, their superior godliness. And it really was important for me at the time and since. And God is about chipping away at our sense of superiority. So let go of superiority. That's the first thing. 
Uh, Let me move on to verses 6 to 13. Uh, Let go of love of power. Uh, Now I'm going to dare to touch this again. But here we go. There we go. Put it vertical again. Okay. Um, So let go of power. Um, Just notice as I read, just notice um, just how much the Samaritans, they love power. Okay. So um, uh, pick it up from verse 6. The crowds there heard Philip and they saw signs that Philip uh, Philip performed and the impure spirits coming out of people and many people who were paralyzed and lame were healed. Uh, Great joy in the city, hurrah, hurrah. And um, Simon himself, he'd practiced sorcery in the city and, and he amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great. And all the people were saying, this man is rightly called the great power of God. They loved power. They loved kind of riding up the ladder. Yeah, yeah get all the power. You, you see? Amazed by that guy, Simon. And loved Philip's miracles that he was performing. But notice also that it's actually, it's not Philip's miracles that break that love of power. It's actually Philip's message. So verse 12. But when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. They were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself was believed and was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. Do you see, the, the good news of Jesus broke this love of power, as it were. They, they believed and were baptized. Now, how does that happen? Because, because it's a kind of power that they had never seen and can never even imagine. So here we go again. Let's put this back horizontal. Stay. You see, because the good news, how, how did the good news break that love of power? Because the good news is about Jesus, God himself. God himself with all the power in the world, but then gave up that power. Sacrificed his life on the cross to save sinful human beings. And then that became God's power to save, actually, because it's through his sacrifice that God forgives us. Do you see? They would never have seen a kind of power like that at all, a giving up of power in order to save. Extraordinary. And it broke their love of power, flattened it. So what about us again? What about us? Uh, do we love power? Uh, we might not think so instinctively, but I think we do in all sorts of ways. I know for myself, I mean, maybe not kind of sorcery or magic perhaps, but in different ways. I mean, think, I think COVID has kind of bubbled this to the surface, definitely. And um, perhaps especially in the West where you know, we can think that we have an automatic right to progress and things going well. It's just... So that's a kind of power thing, isn't it, in a sense? You know? Or even, even at a personal level, kind of like, have you get frustrated during COVID that things are just out of control? Or you, you're wanting power then, aren't you? Power to have things your own way. We love power. And it's not good for us, and it's not good for the people around us. And it's not good for us as church, certainly. I've been thinking back to a friend of mine called... Um, well, I'll call him John. Um, he was at a previous church and you know, a kind of perfectionist kind of guy. Um, 
And uh, to be honest, when I first met him, he was pretty grumpy. Bit of a grumpy guy. And uh, he would get wound up often when things just weren't right. But 12 years later, he's not grumpy. He's gracious and gentle and joyous. How, how does that happen? He's been transformed. He's let go of his kind of power of wanting things just the way he wants. He's let go of that. That's because of the gospel. He knows that Jesus gave up his power for him. But you see, his heart's been transformed by, by Jesus at that point. I wonder if you know that for yourself. And uh, do you let that make a difference to you in, kind of in how you respond when things don't go your way as well? Something to think about. Let go of superiority. Uh, let go of love of power. And the last main point then, thirdly, latch on to being equal partners. I'll explain what I mean by this. Um, so uh, picking up from verse 14. From verse 14. Do follow along if you have a Bible in front of you. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Uh, you might think, what? I'm sorry, what, what is that? Uh, the Holy Spirit had not yet come on them. I'm, I'm sorry, what's going on there? The author here is deliberately explaining that this is actually unusual. That's why he has the aside comment he explains. This is, this is unusual because it's very clear elsewhere, lots of places, that you know, all believers have all the Holy Spirit all the time. That is normal. But here is unusual what's happening, that the Holy Spirit had not yet come on them. And this is deliberately unusual for a purpose, therefore. It's not that there's a kind of a problem to be solved, therefore, oh, apostles, come and help. It's not that there's an inadequate response by the Samaritans. It's not that. It's not that the Holy Spirit can only come with a certain, you know, the big wigs, the church leaders, they come from the center. It's, no, it's not that. It's not that. What it is, it's, it's the beginning, of the, it's the witnessing of a new era beginning. It's so significant that there are to be witnesses there. So back in Acts 2, uh, Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit comes on the believers and um, equips them for taking the good news out, if you actually read Acts 2, the Samaritans are not listed among the people there. So the question really remains, could even the Samaritans become fully part of God's people? You know, remember the ladder, the vertical... Could even the Samaritans, the Samaritans down there, could they become fully part of God's people? We despise them. And here, God is answering by, here, by giving his spirit deliberately with witnesses from the apostles in Jerusalem. This is, this is it. Yes, yes, they are fully part of God's people. And don't you dare deny it. So, same for us, that all believers are fully and equally God's people. 
And we just need to think about how significant this is. This is hugely significant. So all believers are equal partners in God's church. Equal partners. God does not give different believers part membership or second-class tickets or third-class tickets. It's not that. Equal partners. And the thing for us is to really kind of grow, uh, to appreciate the reality of this and to live it out. You know, to think any Christian is an equal partner with me. To think the way around. I am an equal partner with any Christian. Equal partners. And so therefore to definitely to take an interest in Christians who are not like you in whatever way, background or whatever. Take an interest. Now actually I realize for many Christians that's not even an option in the sense of uh, it's either about taking an interest in Christians unlike you in some way or it's about being alone. But for many, it, many do have the choice. Will I take an interest or not? And let me say specifically to everyone here who's been, who's been born outside the UK, but now here living in this country, whether for 10 days or 50 years, we are equal partners. It's not about you being assimilated into British culture or assimilated into British church culture. It's about us integrating as equals, equal partners. And for all of us, it's about celebrating that equal partnership. And, and let's disciple each other. That's what we need to do. Let's help each other to pray. Let's help each other to learn from Jesus. Let's help each other to put Jesus first. Do that together. And you can, can you imagine as we do that kind of more and more and more, how can you imagine how beautiful and how transformative that is and will be? Equal partners. God has made it so clear. If even the Jewish Christians and Samaritans fully partners together, it's the same for us all. Oh, we don't have time to look closely at the rest of the story here, so I'm so glad that Rosie, uh, thank you Rosie for explaining. Uh, but it does remind us, the rest of the passage here, it does remind us that that letting go of power, it, you know, that, that's an ongoing battle. And Simon you know, tries to buy from the apostles the power of the Spirit. He tries to buy it. So, beware that desires, these kind of desires can, can, can return to our hearts again and again and again. You know, it's an ongoing battle. But by God's grace, verse 25, the good news of Jesus continues to advance. By God's grace, we can expect the same. And that happens how? It happens via God transforming us in the way we've been thinking this morning. So believing the good news means let go of superiority, let go of love of power, latch on to being equal partners. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much that you are a God who, who saves and transforms. And Father, we do say sorry. We're sorry for the ways in which we have and might feel superior or love power. And Father, we bring those before you and thank you. You forgive in the Lord Jesus. And 
Uh, thank you that our shared identity is in Jesus and that that is far better than we can imagine. Help us to honour each other and honour Jesus. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.